Good morning. Welcome again to Morning Devotions. I'm Pastor Samaral, the pastor of Cathedral of Praise, and thank you for joining us in Morning Devotions. Now today, or really yesterday, we added something brand new called Daniel's Prayer at 5.45 a.m., at 11.45 noon, and at 8.45 p.m. Daniel prayed three times a day. So three times a day, five of our pastors, Pastor Manalo is going to be in charge of this, five of our pastors will come to you live on Facebook and YouTube and just lead you in focused prayer. So I encourage young people, this is a great time to learn your prayer life and really begin to develop your prayer life. Seniors, my goodness, we need all the praying seniors that we can get. What a great ministry for you to have right now during lockdown. But this is three times a day, guided prayer. We want you to join us. All right, let's go to one of our young people now to recite Psalms 91. Psalms 91, ESV version. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust, for he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his pinions, and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and buckler. You will not fear the terror of the night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in darkness, nor the destruction that wastes at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only look with your eyes and see the recompense of the wicked. Because you have made the Lord your God your dwelling place, the Most High who is my refuge. No evil shall be allowed to befall you, no plague come near your tent. For he will command his angels concerning you, to guard you in all your ways. On their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. You will tread on the lion and the adder. The young lion and the serpent you will trample underfoot, because he holds fast to me in love. I will deliver him. I will protect him because he knows my name. When he calls to me, I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. Last weekend, we closed the service with, I sought the Lord, and he answered me, and he delivered me from all my fears. One of the things that you have to do for fear to be broken off of your life is to seek God, to pray. Not just to pray for everybody else, but to pray for yourself. It is not selfish to pray for yourself. It's wise. I mean, I sought the Lord, and he answered me, and he delivered me from all my fears. I want to challenge you today, and I want to pray for you, that God will stir up a spirit of prayer within you, and learn to pray for yourself, that this fear will be broken off of your life and his presence will just be such a real part of who you are. Father, in Jesus' name I come to you. Stir up the spirit of supplication within them, not just inclining their heart toward your word, Lord, but stir up the spirit of supplication within them. Holy Spirit, teach them. Give them a desire for prayer. Lord, we know how to pray. We've studied your prayer. It's just a matter of now of doing it. Draw the hearts of your people to your presence in prayer. And as they seek you, Lord, you promised that if we would seek you with all of our heart, we would find you. Not an experience, not an emotion, but we would find you. Lord, as they seek you with all of their hearts, let them find you. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Our New Testament passage today begins in Romans chapter 13, verse 1. Very familiar passage. Let every person be subject to governing authorities. Now notice every person. That means the rich. That means the poor. Sometimes rich people, people say, well, they don't have to obey the law because they're rich. And sometimes people say, poor people don't need to obey the law because they're poor. So only the middle class have to obey the law. No, every person. Pastors have to obey the law. Priests have to obey the law. Let every person be subject to governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God. Now, you may not like it, but from God. And those that exist have been instituted by God. Now, again, you may not like the president. You may not have voted for the president. But for 40 years, you've heard me say, whoever is the president we are submissive to governing authorities, and that's my responsibility as your pastor to teach you to be that way, to have a submissive heart to governing authorities. When it was Marcos, when it was Corey, when it was Estrada, when it was Gloria, I mean, please, it doesn't matter who sits in the office. We are to be submissive to governing authorities. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists 
what God has appointed. Again, you may not like that, but you know what? That's just as valid a verse as John 3.16. And those who resist will incur judgment. So again, you start fighting back with the government and you will incur judgment. For rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Okay? Hey, listen, as long as you're having good conduct, you know, you don't need to be afraid of them, only if you're doing bad things. Would you have no fear of the one who's in authority? Then do what is good, and you will receive his approval. You know, if you want the mayor to be happy with you, if you want the president to be happy with you, if you want the Congress and Senate to be happy with you, pastors, do what is good, and you'll receive their approval. Too often, I I find pastors wanting to live at war with, with the government. This is not a competition thing. They are servants of God, just like as pastors and priests, we are servants of God. And we don't need to live in conflict with these people. Do what is good, and you will receive their approval. For he is God's servant for your good. All right, so the purpose of the government is for our good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain. For he is the servant of God, an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. Youch. Now, there's verses we don't really like, but that's exactly what God says. The government is the servant of God, an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoers. Wow. Now, again, you may not like that verse, but that's just as valid as John 3.16. Therefore, one must be in subjection, submissive attitude, not only to avoid God's wrath, but also for the sake of conscience, so that our conscience is clear, and because we don't want wrath, we have to have a submissive heart toward the governing authorities. For the same reason, you also pay taxes, for the authorities are ministers of God attending to this very thing. Pay to all what is owed them, taxes to whom taxes are owed, revenue to whom what revenue is owed, respect to whom respect is owed, and honor to whom honor is owed. All right, so when we look at the government officials, we should pay our taxes, we should pay the revenues, the fees and dues, etc. We should give respect to the government, not trash them every day on Facebook. I mean, please. I know people are frustrated right now because of this COVID-19. Please, all of us are frustrated. Beloved, please, all of us are frustrated. There is no human being in the world right now that is not frustrated, okay? But you know what? We still need to show respect. We still need to show respect to our government authorities. Honor, to whom honor is owed. We should give honor to these people. I mean, they're, they're servants of God. Pastors, come on. They're servants of God just like we are. So let's, let's sow some honor. Now he continues. Owe nothing to anyone except to love one another. For the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. Now, question mark. Does this does not mean debt is a sin. Now notice the word owe. It's not a sin to be in debt. You go to a, well, I guess we don't go to restaurants, but let me use the illustration. If you go to a restaurant and eat a meal, you are in debt because you ate the meal and then you pay the bill. When you go to the gas station and fill up your gas tank, you are in debt because you fill up the gas tank and then you pay the bill. I like another translation that says, leave no debt outstanding. In other words, everything that's due, 
you pay. So it's not a sin to be in debt. It's a sin not to pay your debts. The commandments, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and any other commandment are summed up in this word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself, all right? This is the same as Jesus' teaching. Now, if we weren't here today, and you weren't with me, I would quickly look up in my Bible where Jesus taught it, and I'd write the reference there in the column. Love does no wrong to a neighbor. Therefore, love is fulfilling the law. You fulfill the law when you walk in love. But this, you know the time, that the hour has come for you to wake up from sleep. For salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed. Okay, so salvation is nearer to us than when we first believed. So this is not referring to being born again. This is referring to the rapture. The rapture is closer now than it was before. She said, wake up from your sleep. Now, this is a great study. Sleeping Christians. And there's so much the Bible teaches about waking up from your slumber. There are so many sleepy Christians. The night is far gone, the day is at hand. So then, let us cast off the work of darkness and put on the armor of light. Now, notice the works of darkness. These are actions and this is armor. This is protection. Now notice the difference. He said, listen, th there's no protection from darkness. There's actions of darkness, but the darkness brings no protection. Light brings protection. Let us walk properly as in the daytime. Not in orgies, drunkenness, sexual immorality, sensuality, quarreling, and jealousies. Now that covers just about all of it. The Romans were famous for their orgies. Big rooms of people all naked and having sex together with multiple partners all at the same time. They're kind of nasty, but the Romans loved orgies. Drunkenness. Well, Pastor Summerall, I drink, but I don't get drunk. You drink one large glass of wine and you are over the legal limit. You drink one shot of alcohol and you are over the legal limit. The second you feel the buzz, the second it has altered your sober, social lubricant feelings, forgive me, you have already been in a state of drunkenness. So when people want to play semantics with me, I don't play. Not in sexual immorality. You don't have sex with your girlfriend before you get married or your boyfriend before you get married. He said, properly, as in the daytime. You, you don't live like this, okay? In sensuality, you don't go around putting your hands where things don't belong, okay? Not in quarreling. You don't go around fighting with people all the time. And jealousy, you don't go around being jealous of people all the time. He said, now, now these are things that this is not proper living, not proper living. He said, let's live properly, okay? These things are not proper. Orgies are not proper. Drunkenness is not proper. Sexual immorality is not proper. Sensuality is not proper. Quarreling is not proper. Jealousy is not proper. And put on the Lord Jesus Christ. All right, so here's two things we are to put on. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. You put on Jesus like clothes. You put on the armor of light like clothes. 
And again, I, I had to be careful. I get to preaching on this. But now th- this is extremely important. Make no provision for the flesh. Now, what do we mean by make no provision? Don't give any opportunity for it. Just, I'm not going to, I'm not going to create an opportunity for that in my life. So to be very blunt, there are places I don't go because I don't want to make any provision for that. There are things I just close my eyes and I don't want to see because I don't want to make any provision for that in my life. You have to learn what you bring into yourself is what you are. Like right now, I'm taba because during the lockdown, <clears throat> I ate too much ice cream. <laughs> I would say, sweetheart, I'd tell Shasha when she would bring us food during that first three months and we couldn't go out, Shasha, can you bring some ice cream? Shasha, can you bring some ice cream? Shasha, can you bring some? I am what I ate. So I have to lose weight now. But spiritually, we are also what we eat. If we make provision for the flesh, if we, if we make sure that we create opportunities in our, for the flesh to see things that we should not see and to do things that we should not do, and to be around those things just because we, we, we want to get close, but we, we, we don't want to touch it, but we want to get close. No, no, you stay away from that stuff. All right, let's open up our hearts and spend some more time in, in worship. I know a place where we can go to lay the troubles down in your soul. I know a place where mercy flows. Take the stains, make you wider than snow. Like the tide, it is rising up deep inside the current that grows and makes you come alive. Bring water that brings the dead to life. Whoa, oh, we're going down to the river, down to the river, down to the river to pray.
Our Old Testament passage today is Nehemiah chapter 11. Now the leaders of the people lived in Jerusalem, and the rest of the people cast lots to bring one out of ten to live in Jerusalem, the holy city, while nine out of ten remained in the other towns. Now why? Please forgive me, folks, but living outside of the city of Jerusalem, you could have your chickens, you could have your, your livestock, you could have your vegetables. It, it was much nicer life than living in a dirty, broken down city that just got its walls rebuilt, okay? Much harder life in the city. And even today in our own beloved nation, we have to be honest, the reason we like to go to the province during holidays is life is so much nicer in the province than it is in the city. It's always harder in the city. And the people blessed all the men who were willing, who willingly offered to live in Jerusalem because this was not considered a nice thing to do. These are the chiefs of the province who lived in Jerusalem, but in the towns of Judah, everyone lived on his own property. The inheritance is still maintained from the time of Moses. The priests, the Levites, the temple servants, and the descendants of Solomon's servants. And in Jerusalem lived a certain of the sons of Judah and of the sons of Benjamin. Of the sons of Judah, Athaliah, the son of Uzziah, the son of Zechariah, the son of Amariah, the son of Shephathiah, the son of Mahalal, of the sons of Perez. Of Maasiah, the son of Baruch, the son of Kolhazah, the son of Haziah, the son of Adiah, the son of Joarib, the son of Zechariah, the son of Shilonit. Of the sons of Perez who lived in Jerusalem were 468 valiant men. And these are the sons of Benjamin, Salu, the son of Meshulam, the son of Joed, the son of Pedadiah, the son of Kolaiah, the son of Masasiah, the son of Etel, the son of Jeshiah, and of his brothers, men of valor, 928. Joel, the son of Zikri, was their overseer. And Judah, the son of Hasanuah, was second over the city. Of the priests, Jediah, the son of Jorib, Jachin, Sariah, the son of Hilkiah, the son of Meshulam, the son of Zadok, the son of Marioth, the son of Ahitab, the ruler of the house of God. Now, he, this is the guy who's in charge of the temple. And of their brothers who did the work of the house, 822, Adiah, the son of Joram, the son of Belaliah, the son of Amzi, the son of Zechariah, the son of Pashur, the son of Machaljah, and of his brothers, the heads of his father's house, 242. And Amashat, the son of Azrael, the son of Aziah, the son of Mishlamoth, the son of Emir. And of their brothers, mighty men of valor, 128. Their overseer was Zabdil, the son of Hagulim, and of the Levites, Shemaiah, the son of Hashdub, the son of Azkram, the son of Hashbabiah, the son of Buni, and Shabbathah, and Jezobad, the, the chief of the Levites, who were over the outside work of the house of God. So that's everything outside, and the other guy was inside. So this guy is inside, these guys are outside. So there is a delegation of responsibilities. And Mathaniah, the son of Mikri, the son of Zabdi, the son of Asaph, who was a leader of the praise, the leader of the praise, and gave thanks. And Bakbukiah, the second among his brothers, Abda, the son of Shamoah, the son of Galal, the son of Jethuthun. All the Levites in the holy city were 284. The gatekeepers, Akub, Talmon, and their brothers who kept watch at the gates were 172. And the rest of Israel and of the priests and the Levites were in all the towns of Judah, everyone in his inheritance, in his 
inheritance. All right. Since Moses, the people of Israel knew what land belonged to their family. And you know, it wouldn't shock me today if there were some of those old Orthodox Jews who had figured out, based on genealogy, who's supposed to own what land even today. Now, they don't divide the land that way. Everybody has to go and buy a piece of property today in Jerusalem. But, you know, I bet some of those old Orthodox guys have this all worked out. But the temple servants lived on Ophel, and Zeha and Geshbat were over the temple servants. The overseer of the Levites in Jerusalem was Uzi, the son of Bani, the son of Hashbabiah, the son of Methaniah, the son of Mikri, and the sons of Asaph, the singers over the work of the house of God. For there was a command from the king concerning them, and a fixed provision for the singers as every day required. And Pethahiah, the son of Meshabel, of the sons of Zerah, the sons of Judah, was at the king's side in all matters concerning the people. As for the villages with their fields, some of the people of Judah lived in Kiriath Abra and its villages, and in Dibon and its villages, and Jacobazel and its villages, and in Jeshua and in Molada and in Beth Balet, in Hazar Shaul, in Beersheba and its villages, in Ziklag and Mekonah and its villages, in Enrimon and in Zora and in Jermuth, in Zanoah, Adulam and their villages, Lachish and its villages, Azka and his villages, and so they encamped from Beersheba to the valley of Hinnom. The people of Benjamin also lived from Giba onward, and at Mishmash, Ahazah, Bethel, and his villages, and Athoth, Nob, Ananiah, Hazor, Ramath, Gitiam, Hadid, Zeboim, Nebalat, Lod, Ono, the valley of craftsmen. <laughs> and certain division of the Levites were assigned to Benjamin. Chapter 12, verse 1. We have a lot of names to read, but then we'll get to some really cool stuff here in a minute. These are the priests and the Levites who came up with Zerubbabel, the son of Shatiel, and Jeshua, Sariah, Jeremiah, Ezra, Amariah, Maluk, Hatush, Shechaniah, Rahum, Meramoth, Edo, Gennethoi, Abijah, Majamin, Maadiah, Belga, Shemaiah, Jorib, Jedediah, Salu, Amok, Hilkiah, Jedediah. These are the chiefs of the priests and their brothers in the days of Jeshua. And of the Levites, Jeshua, Benui, Kadmiel, Serabiah, Judah, and Methaiah, who were with his brothers in charge of the songs of thanksgiving. Now, what a cool job. My job is to be in charge of the songs of thanksgiving. I like that. Bekoboiah, and Uni and their brothers stood opposite them in service. And Joshua was the father of Joachim, Joachim the father of Elishib, Elishib the father of Joadiah, Joadiah the father of Jonathan, and Jonathan the father of Jaduah. And in the days of Jehoiakim were priests, heads of their fathers' houses, Sariah, Beriah, of Jeremiah, Hananiah, of Ezra, Meshulam, or Amariah, Jehonan, of Melochai, Jonathan, and Sarabiah, Joseph, of Harim, Adna and Merioth, Helkai, of Edo, Zechariah, of Ginnethon, Meshulom, of Abijah, Zikri, of Manimin, of Morodiah, Piltai, of Bilgna, Shamuah, of Shamiah, Jonathan, of Jerib, Methanai, of Jedediah, Uzi, of Shelai, Kalai, of Amok, Eber, of Hilkiah, Abishiah, of Jedediah, 
Nathaniel. And in the days of Elishib, Jodiah, Jonan, and Jadu, the priests were recorded as the heads of their father's house. So too were the priests in the reign of Dairus the Mede. As for the sons of Levi, the heads of father's houses were written in the book of Chronicles until the days of Jonathan the son of Elishib. Verse 24. And the chiefs of the Levites, Hashabiah, Sarabiah, and Jeshua, the son of Kadbiel, with their brothers who stood opposite them to praise, to give thanks, according to the commandment of David, the man of God, watch by watch. So, Davidic worship. Davidic worship was not something that was just instituted during David's time and then forgotten. This is considered a permanent part of Israel's worship system. Now, you've got the Mosaic worship system, and then added to that to supplement and complement because we have the building of the temple. Okay, before that we just have the tabernacle in the wilderness. But as we begin to build the temple, and the Ark of the Covenant is brought to Jerusalem. Now, there's something added to the Mosaic worship system called the Davidic worship system. And this is where the, the music and the tambourines and the dancers and the singers, this is where all, all this beautiful worship takes place. In fact, in the rebuilt temple during the millennium, David is called the prince. And David will lead worship. Now, Jesus will be the king, but David is called the prince, and he will have a special entrance into the temple, and he will actually lead in worship. Now, that's something I'm looking forward to one day. I'm going to go to Jerusalem, and I'm going to meet King David and say, I want you to know I was named after you, and I want to be there while he leads us in the worship of the King of kings and Lord of lords. Ah, it's going to be good days. Mathaniah, Bakbukiah, Obadiah, Meshulam, Talmon, and Akub were gatekeepers standing guard at the storehouses of the gates. These were in the days of Jehoiakim, the son of Jeshua, the son of Jaazak, and in the days of Nehemiah, the governor, and of Ezra, the priest and scribe. Now we'll pick up there tomorrow morning, but tonight, please don't forget, missions night. You want to be there. Seven o'clock, we're going to be teaching you how to do the Great Commission in these days where everything is locked down, but the gospel is not locked down. We'll see you tonight at seven o'clock.